You're listening to The Bucket List. Now, Beefy, most people claim they haven't got enough time to keep fit. This particular gentleman said, I have to keep fit running whenever I have time. Oh, yeah. It is Chad Campbell from the United States of America. Yeah. Chad is desperate to get in the Guinness Book of World Records. He and his wife had quintuplets not that long ago. Guinness have set him a target that he's going to have to run a marathon with his five quintuplets. He's going to break the world record or set the world record for running a marathon whilst pushing his five quintuplets. Guinness have told him he's got to do it in four hours, 45 minutes. Now, he's had a couple of goes at this. He attempted the Huntington Beach Marathon, but did it in five hours hours 30 but it was his first effort so then he's had a go at the oakland marathon and he did it in four hours 49 minutes so he's missed world record cutoff time by four minutes and he is i'm totally bummed it hurts to miss it by so close because that makes me think i've got to do it again but at the same time i don't want to do it again He says, my biggest concern was how many diapers I'd need to change. He also said, luckily, his dad had a genius idea how to dress each baby in two diapers. So when one was soiled, it could quickly be ripped off and the other could slide into place. He says, it was smooth sailing, Beefy, smooth sailing. Uh, Double diaper situation. It's almost like the astronauts in space, isn't it? He did say, the kids did good at the last marathon, but this time they did even better. There was no need to change any diapers. Even them burgering all the way around. That's disgusting. Poor kids. Poor kids, He also says they were cheering for the babies as much as they were cheering for me and... I get very emotional, but in that moment, it was all worth it, baby. It was worth it for him. No doubt. The uh, pusher, though, it's it's five long. Uh, it's like a shopping trolley. It's like a Costco shopping trolley, doll. They wouldn't know what's going on. No, these poor kids are just sitting there. The wife would love it, though. She gets the morning off for oh, five hours. How good's that? She'd be loving that. She gets to sleep in, no disturbance. Doesn't have to change the diapers. <laughs> Doesn't have to breastfeed. With the... How'd you go about breastfeeding five kids? That'd be unbelievable. I don't know, it is over four hours, Beefy, and surely these little kids have to be fed in between. So they'd have to stop and do little breaks, wouldn't you they? You would have thought so. He said he was feeding them burgering. Cheetos. Should kids under one be eating Cheetos and burgerings? No, but if you think this guy's so healthy going for this run, yeah. why is he feeding his kids that? <laughs> Convenience diet. It's, it's not, American way. <laughs> it's not like they need the actual energy. They're just sitting there. They're just sitting there having a ride, aren't they? We'll be crossing, talking about food to Shelley Freeman very shortly. Shelley was actually over in the US for the US Open, and she'll tell us all about the, the types of crazy food they're eating at the US yeah, Open. she went to Arthur Ashe Arena for the, uh, the big women's final. Yeah, that was on her bucket list. Plus, we'll also be talking about the top five sporting injuries shortly you do not want to have. Gruesome stuff. Does your sporting club or community group need help with fundraising? My Club Shop is your essential fundraising partner. This free service is simple to use and can provide a 12-month-a-year revenue stream. With support from great companies like Samsung and TCL and new features being added daily, this revolutionary platform is a complete game-changer. Did we mention it's all free? All you have to do is log on to myclubshop.com.au to register your interest and one of our friendly team will get in touch straight away. That's myclubshop.com.au. This morning we're chatting to Shelley, who's in New York. Was it a dream coming true for an Aussie to go and see the US Open? It was a real dream come true. One of my friends got me a free ticket, so it was really cool. 
and I asked a few people around me how much they pay for their ticket, and it was over $200. US? US, yeah. Oh, it's even better when it's free. Of course it is. I saw Serena Williams play Bianca, the Canadian. So you actually went to the women's final. That's amazing. Talk us through the atmosphere. Obviously, most people in the States would have wanted Serena to win. Was it a bit of oh a... Oh, gosh, yes. Palpable in the sense that you could feel it. I secretly was barracking for the Canadian because I always love a good underdog. And at the beginning of the game, they're all saying, oh, my God, this is going to be over in two sets with Serena winning. That's how everyone was. I secretly just was hoping that the Canadian would win. I couldn't tell anyone because... I I just felt she was such an underdog and the crowd was not for her. But what was really interesting is in her speech at the end, one of the questions she was asked was, what was an obstacle for you? She said, I don't want to sound mean, but the crowd, she said, I just felt that everyone wanted Serena to win. And she said, I felt bad to the crowd that I was beating her. But she said, I just had to block that out after a while. She actually apologised for winning the US Open and obviously... She did, she did. It was Serena's opportunity to tie Margaret Court's record, which is the uh, big exactly. th- big news in Australia as well. That's right, and that was obviously the big record changer. When Serena was interviewed, she said what kept her going a little bit longer was the crowd. So was this Celebrity Plus? Like, did you see Meghan Markle and all these other yes. celebrities? Yes, it was Spike Lee, Meghan Markle. Yes, it was Celebrity Plus. And the other a highlight that I loved. In the beginning when they sang the anthem, the woman that sang it, she's going to play Tina Turner in the new Broadway show about Tina Turner. But her voice was incredible. Do they stop, go around and actually stop people um, recording the game or are they strict like that? No, not at all. When it went game point, everyone around me's phone went up, like everyone wanted to <laughs> film champion. Were they filming Meghan Markle? Yes her face came up on the big screen. She was sitting in Serena Williams' box. box. box, Shelley, have you been to an Australian Open? Yes, I have, to see Federer. So how different is the US Open to an Australian Open, did you think? I have to say I've never been to finals in Australia. This is America, this is New York. The scale was huge. And also the beginning, they brought out a marching band. They made the flag of America. The size of the crowd and all of that was just on another level. But the before and after was pretty out there and pretty outstanding and on a pretty huge scale. What's kind of like the feel outside of Flushing Meadow? Some people just get day passes for $25 so they can just be around that atmosphere. It's a very festive atmosphere. So there's quite a few restaurants and bars, places where you get vodka cocktails, like everyone's walking around these vodka cocktails with three cantaloupe balls on top. There's media units, like one European, one American, where they're actually filming. And it was really funny. I was walking past one and the compares are wearing all this formal stuff down at their feet where no one can see and they're all wearing runners. So there's lots of media tents, lots of food tents, elegant bars. Do they have a lot of American-style food? They are eating hot dogs, French fries. They are eating burgers, like heart disease material. The guy next to me had a huge Ben and Jerry's and he said, I better eat it really fast because the game looks like it's going to end, you know, really quickly. They had Ben and Jerry's sandwiches, you know, amazing flavours. Sandwiches? They're called sandwiches, but they're like cookie dough flavour. In between wafers. You know, it's America. Is there any other sporting events or anything else left on your bucket list, Shelley? I still have to go to a Yankees baseball game, one in New York, haven't done that. 
I went to a Red Sox game at Boston team. The atmosphere there is ginormous. Like, I can't even explain. The way they eat pretzels with mustard all over it, it is not the baseball. Midway through, bought this really cool Red Sox T-shirt, and I wore it back in New York, really not thinking Ooh, too much about yeah, it. Yeah. And I was warned for my safety. Yep. Do not wear Red Sox in the, in the streets <laughs> of Manhattan. Like, they are the arch enemy. Yeah. Thanks for your time. That's Shelley Freeman live from New York telling us about her bucket list. She had attended the US Open seeing Serena Williams versus Bianca. It's the bucket list. From One Cover Travel Insurance, here's Isha with a travel tip. Today my travel tip is all about leveraging your network when you go overseas. Whether you're traveling solo with your partner or with your family, I think it really helps to know people in the place that you're in, even if it's just someone to call on for a last-minute restaurant recommendation or something like that. And if you don't know anyone, then you'll surely find that you have friends of friends who do. If you're on Facebook or any other social media, just tell people that you're in a certain part of the world, and often people will chime in offering amazing insights, and sometimes they'll connect you with locals that they know that can give you some excellent travel tips. When planning your next holiday, make sure you you take out travel insurance from one cover call one cover on 1300 192 021 or onecover.com.au this is the bucket list with beefy and diana simons Beefy, some very unusual injuries in the world of sport that one would really not wish to have a rugby league player called jack hughes ruptured a testicle whilst playing and carried on playing. Can I just say, as a female, I can't imagine that. How much would that hurt, Beefy? (laughs) It would definitely hurt. All right, Beefy, tell us the top five injuries you would not want to have. I think you're going to scream at all of these. All right, Bert Troutman, okay? Manchester City's German goalkeeper famously broke several vertebrae in his neck when he collided with Birmingham City's Peter Murphy in the 1956 Cup Final. Despite the excruciating pain, he played on. And after the game, he said he was quite unaware of how serious the injury was. Broke his neck playing football. They did win 3-1. How could you do that? (laughs) Unbelievable. Going to get you going now. All-black captain Buck Shelford suffered a very stray French boot to the groin, somehow ripping his scrotum and leaving one of his testicles hanging free. Shelford then had the injured area stitched up on the side of the pitch and played on. Hang on, you don't mean he had it stitched to the side of the pitch? (laughs) No, he was on the side of the pitch and somebody came and stitched it back together. I hope this was a medical person. (laughs) No, it was somebody in the crowd. Can you come and stitch this back on? (laughs) How could you run? He was mad. But then later in the game, actually copped a knee to the head and had to leave the field concussed. (laughs) (laughs) During that, he lost four teeth as well. You think the first one would take him out? That's horrifying. Uh, The All Blacks went on to lose 16-3. What about Shun Fujimoto? What happened to Shun Fujimoto? This was in the 76 Montreal Olympics. The Japanese gymnast injured his knee during the floor exercise in the team's competition, which he actually broke his knee, but he didn't tell anyone. (laughs) He then scored a nine and a half out of ten on the pommel horse before the final event, the rings. The rings are eight foot in the air. This guy's got a busted knee. His dismount was actually a triple somersault, and upon landing, the pain sliced through him like a knife. He raised his arms, completed the routine before then collapsing. His broken kneecap was also then dislocated and actually tore the ligaments in his leg. Oh, that is horrifying. Japan, horrifying. Japan did go on to win gold, though. Well done. Yeah. What about Akil Mitchell? Some of our listeners will know about this. Akil Mitchell was an American basketballer, played for the New Zealand Breakers in the NBL. They were taking on Cairns when the finger 
of an opposing player accidentally, are you ready for this, Di? Yeah, okay, I'm going to brace myself. Dislodged his eyeball. Oh! (laughs) Um, He actually supported his eyeball with the palm of his hand, but he claimed he could actually still see out of the eye. Oh, that's like something out of Halloween. Yeah, paramedics used saline drops to slide the eyeball back into place. And after a couple of days in hospital, was seeing fine. Mitchell continued his career playing in the NBA Development League and in France and Italy. And the worst thing is that you'd be able to see them putting it back in. <laughs> Apparently he said he never he never lost consciousness at all time, but he was so worried about obviously losing the sight oh. and everything else. Okay. Ice hockey, we're going to go. Clint Malarchuk. He was the Buffalo Sabres goaltender. He suffered a cut throat when an opponent slid skates first into him, uh, slicing right through the jugular vein and severing the carotid artery. Malarchuk lost three pints of blood there and then on the ice. He actually stemmed the bleeding by shoving his goalie mitt into the gash. Sounds like out of Blades of Glory. What was it called? The White Lotus? Uh, The Iron Lotus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Players were actually vomiting on the ice. (laughs) Two fans had heart attacks in the stands. Eleven fainted. Malarchuk actually skated off the ice with a glove in his gash, (laughs) straight into surgery. 300 stitches later, doctor saved his life. He skated straight into surgery. Skated straight into surgery. He spent just one night in hospital, played again eight days later. He played again after 300 stitches in his throat eight days later. Amazing. Do you know what the strange thing is about that Buffalo-St. Louis game? After he had his throat sliced and his blood all over the ice, players vomiting, they actually finished. went on to finish the game. Buffalo lost 2-1. That is unbelievable. Yeah, that's uh, five of the most horrendous injuries you just don't want to see on a sports You don't get worse than that. Now, Peter Brock's first car is going up for auction. We're going to chat shortly to the auction house and find out how much that might be going for. You're listening to The Bucket List with Beefy and Diana Simons. This morning we're chatting to Cam about the Freshwater Pro, which is actually at Kelly Slater's Surf Ranch. Tell us a bit about Kelly Slater's Surf Ranch. Kelly Slater's Surf Ranch was a bit of a well-kept secret for many years. I think that it was sort of secretly developing this and it was probably a bad-kept secret. People knew where it was, but no one was invited for many years. So I think 2015 he built it, but... um, it's only been in the last couple of years that he's convinced the World Surf League to actually hold an event there. So this is the second time ever in history that they've had a um, World Surf League event on a man-made wave that's in freshwater. The actual traditionalists don't really like these surf ranch events because the waves are very consistent. There's no variation on natural variation. The weather doesn't affect it. But the people love it because you can have a TV event that is definitely going to be done and dusted over three days. Yeah, I mean, you might see more of this coming. There are surf ranches that are popping up all over the world. One, obviously, in uh, Melbourne's backyard at Tullamarine. It'll be interesting to see if whether in 2020, surfing's becoming an Olympic event next year, whether or not they'll uh, look to a man-made wave or whether they'll be looking to the more traditional kind of get out in the ocean. Does this mean no sharks? Well, it does, because the, the surf ranch is actually located 200 kilometres from any coastline. So it's in California, but it's about 200 kilometres inland in uh, a big freshwater pool that's about 600 metres long. 
Waves are generated by a train with a giant hydrofoil that pushes water across a man-made reef that forms that wave that just synonymous with surfing, I guess, where you see that sort of curling kind of wave where people ride on. It looks like a, a very, very long swimming pool. I've got to say, I like the one I went to in um, South Africa, Sun City, because it was actually a lagoon, so it was quite pretty with yes. the sand and everything. Yeah, it looks more like a, a real beach. Yeah, look, I think Typhoon Lagoon in Disney World, they have one there too. I think that's a little bit similar too. I think it actually has sand and it's Disneyified. Yeah. If that's such a word. There's nothing like being at a live event. Whether it's the Australian Open Tennis, the Rugby World Cup 2019 in Japan or the Bathurst 1000. With over 20 years experience, Sportsnet will ensure the adventure of a lifetime. With over 50 world-class events, Sportsnet guarantees official tickets and accommodation, even to sold-out events. You'll even get access to behind-the-scenes experiences. Over 10,000 travellers each year choose Sportsnet. Call 1-300-888-858 or visit sportsnetholidays.com. You're listening to The Bucket List. This morning we're chatting to Chris Corbin. He is the CEO of Grey's Online. You've got a very interesting car coming up for auction as well, the Peter Brock Classic Car. The Peter Brock Classic Car was one of the first cars Peter Brock won in. It was actually hidden away in the New South Wales countryside for a while and now it's become available is there a tentative valuation on this? What do you expect to get? 500k upwards, I would expect. Chris, I don't know anything about cars now. You say it's a classic car. Can I ask, what sort of car is it? It's a Peter Brock Holden. So Peter Brock raced for Holden. He was the car that he raced in the circuit and it's the first car he won in. Oh, it's the um, first car yeah. he won in. Wow. So it is, it is a bit of kind of Australian sporting history, really. It is. Yeah. Do you get to go and do a test drive before it goes out? I would not be game enough to uh, put myself behind a wheel or something like this. I would not be in the same breathing space of Peter Brock, let alone be able to drive one of the cars that he won a race in. Chris, I can actually tell you a bit of a story. Back in about 2002, I actually sold a Peter Brock 05 door off the VR Commodore, raised money for the children's hospital up there in Brisbane. Got three and a half grand just for the door. It had been damaged. Fantastic story. And look, Peter Brock was an amazing person for Australia, let alone the racing industry. This is a piece of Australian sport in history. If you've got to spare half a mil, then you know where to go and what to invest it in. So, Chris, thanks for letting us know about the Peter Brock car auction. It's the first car Peter Brock ever won in. It's unbelievable. Chris Corbin, the CEO of Grey's Online on the bucket list. This is The Bucket List with Beefy and Diana Simons. You know, Beefy, I could save my money and uh, buy that Peter Brock car. You reckon? No. (laughs) I'd love the fact that you could drive around the streets. That would be ace. It would be. And as you're driving around the the streets of Melbourne, there's some pretty weird-looking sculptures on the streets. Have you seen that giant cheese stick on the way to the airport? can't miss it. I go to the airport every week. What is the point of that? I asked the same question. <laughs> what is the point of it? There's some weird ones around Melbourne. What are some of the ones oh, you've seen? Drive down East Link. There's a fake hotel. Why there's a fake hotel, I don't know. Have they had any problems with that, with people actually thinking it's real? When it first opened, yeah, people were knocking on the door trying to uh, trying to check in. It doesn't even look real. It's like um, a three-quarter scale model of a hotel. It's ridiculous. It's got lights in. So yeah. when you're driving past at night, it looks like there's people staying in the rooms. It's weird. There's a massive crow eating a chip. That's on East Link. And I'm talking huge. It's probably four or five metres high. When the East Link first opened, it was like one of the world's biggest sculpture parks. 
park, is it, on the freeway? <laughs> yeah. Now, polo is a great sport, but some people do say that polo is a little bit elitist. Because really? Just a little bit? A little bit, because <laughs> you've got to uh, be able to afford a horse. You've got to look after the horse. It can be very expensive. You change horses at the end of each chucker. You actually need four horses. Is that right? Yeah. Wouldn't it be great if there was another way to give it to the common people so they could play polo? Yes, there is another way. I've seen bike polo a number of times. It's quite a fun sport. It is basically riding your bike with a polo mallet. It can be full contact, although it's not deliberately full contact, but you can block the path of people on their bikes so you can knock them off. Wow. But yeah, three aside, Melbourne is quite strong in the bike polo scene, but they use phrases like, oh, it's very bohemian, free spirit type sport. Yeah. Are these moustache wearing oh, hipsters? Oh, yes, indeedy. So they're basically cycling around on their bikes, yep. hitting balls with exactly. a mallet. Exactly. You couldn't put it more cleaner myself, Di. Anyone can play because if you don't even have a bike, you can rent one. Oh, you can just borrow them. They'll lend you a bike because they're bohemian, oh. Di. Or what about those, you remember the O-bikes that Melbourne used to have around town? That's what you I was thinking. You can probably just get them. <laughs> Tell me what's happening with the shooting in the 2000 and... <laughs> oh, yeah. I think it's 2022 yeah, Commonwealth the, Games. Yeah, uh, the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham. Well, they've got rid of shooting, Di. Why? Perhaps they didn't have a shooting range in Birmingham. Who knows? But the Indian government have pleaded with the UK government to bring shooting back. They're basically saying they're going to boycott the games if they don't bring shooting back because obviously in the uh, Gold Coast Commonwealth Games last year, Mm. uh, India picked up seven or eight golds, I believe. So they're quite strong in shooting. They believe it's uh, integral to their culture. Interesting. I didn't know the Indians Indians were into shooting. Yeah, they've won quite a few Olympic gold medals as well, the Indians, uh, in shooting, in, in rifle and pistol. They're feeling offended. I don't think I've done any shooting since, you know, like Fun Zone. Yes, the big buck hunter. That was oh, fun though, awesome. wasn't it? This morning we're speaking to Daniel Ciccone from Sportsnet Holidays, the State of Origin Game 2, Sydney, and a piano cruise coming up 21st of June. Please tell me about this cruise. Cruise dates are Friday the 19th of June. It departs out of Brisbane and returns back to Brisbane on Tuesday the 23rd of June. Four nights accommodation aboard the P&O Pacific Dawn. Bronze ticket to Origin 2 included. You can upgrade those tickets. You get return coach transfers from the ship to the game and back. All your meals included throughout. You get to cruise with rugby league legends and commentators on board. How cool is that for four nights? Themed activities including origin trivia and Q&A questions, photo and autograph opportunities plus $50 on board cruise credit per person as well. Some official merchandise we throw in as well. All your taxes. Ex-Brisbane interior cabin you can upgrade from there. $999 per person twin share or $795 per person quad share. Unbelievable. Accommodation prices go through the roof when State of Origin's in town. If you try to do this yourself, flying to Sydney from Brisbane, trying to get your own accommodation, trying to get your own tickets, it's going to cost you more than what this package offers with all of those other inclusions. Probably the best value for money package we put on the shelf. The majority are coming from Brisbane, obviously because it departs from Brisbane, but we have people coming from all over Australia to experience this package. Amazing. And why would you book the cruise through Sportsnet Holidays? We have an incredible relationship with P&O. Working with them for a number of years from a sports cruise perspective. They are unbelievable value for money, but even better value when purchased through Sportsnet. 
You get extra inclusions through us as well. Everything is official. Availability of cabins is extremely low. However, we hold a, a sizable allocation, but you do need to be quick. This one will sell out. There is only one cruise next year, and that's for State of Origin Sydney. We like to think we're the sports cruise experts and the convenience factor. We will look after you from start to finish. Amazing. We're very excited about Origin going to Adelaide next year. So Origin 1 will be in Adelaide. Origin 3 is back in Brisbane, so we'll do that. We'll put the Brisbane Magic Round back on the shelf next year. The Rugby League World Cup England is 2021, so already got a, an eye on that. And just around the corner, we've, we've got the NRL Grand Final and uh, the World Cup 9s, which will be in Sydney. So a lot of Rugby League events on the shelf. Absolutely amazing. Make sure you check it out, sportsnetholidays.com. That's sportsnetholidays.com, or call them. one 888 That's one 888 858 Sportsnet Holidays, your home for rugby league travel.